0: Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church.
1: Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Lord, I just pray for your Word to be delivered by you this morning, that I would just be an instrument in your hands, Father, and that you would speak to the hearts of these people, your people. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the word would fall unto their hearts and bear much fruit. I pray that we would truly never be the same and that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, amen. So I've ministered a word, uh, actually this uh, same title, Bitter or Better, I've done seasoned or poisoned. The seasoned or poisoned one that I've done. It's it's probably on our app. It's a couple of years old, maybe. Uh, the Season or Poison one, I was just talking about uh, Tony Cook this morning. I, I believe he has a book called Season or Poisoned. And uh, I read it years ago and, and uh, I felt the need of ministering that word towards the end of the year. Now, these times, uh, that we're in, uh, uh, you know, in December, the end of the year has come. Uh, a lot of us are sitting here thinking, well, you know, don't say it out loud, but what was your New Year's resolution for 2023, right? Is that even, you know, did it make it past February, <laughs> right? As you can tell, mine didn't work, right? I have to have to do that again. So I have to give that that New Year's resolution is what they call it, right? But how many of you know that January 1st is not, everything is not new on January 1st, right? You still got to pay your mortgage. You still got bills coming in, right? Your kids are still misbehaving. You're still trying to work out issues in your marriage. You're still, all those things are still there. But we love new beginnings. We love it when it's like brand, everything's going to be brand new. woo For some of us who still live a certain way, you know, still have a little bit of the world in you, uh, you start the new year with a hangover, which I used to do many, many years ago, and I don't understand that. I don't want to be—I don't want to walk into 2024 with a headache and, and you know, hugging the, the toilet. So uh, we don't do that anymore. But we think that it's all going to be new, like it's all. Let's celebrate something that's going to be new, and then a week into it, into the new year, we realize things aren't really all that new. But you know why they're not? It's because we have not changed. See, when Jesus comes into our lives, we've had the gospel preached to us in such a way that I would like to apologize for myself or any other pastor who has preached the gospel this way, where if you accept Jesus, everything works out. Your whole life, oh, you'll be, man, it'll be awesome. Your mortgage will be paid off. Your, your wife's going to do everything you tell her to do because she's going to submit, as the Bible says. Your kids are all going to start coming to church, and, and everything's just going to work out. You know, everything's going to be great. There's going to be peace, hope, and love in your life from now on. How many of you know that's not true? Right, and we give that so because we want people, the motive is there. the motive is let's get them saved, let's give them something good about Christianity so that they would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But you know that your circumstances don't change, but something does change. you do. now, how you approach these circumstances and how you approach these issues in your life and these problems and these things is completely different because now you have hope to be able to do it you have the peace to be able to do it right it begins to change who you are and listen you know we love to run around and blame the devil for everything don't we all yeah. oh, the devil's really been on oh yeah the devil oh yeah the devil there's this christian comedian i heard him on the radio the other day and he came out and he says that this lady uh, went to the front of the church and she says i got a song for y'all and uh, she went to sing and, and it was really really bad and she's singing and singing, and then, you know, at the end, everybody was just kind of looking at her like she doesn't really think that was good, right? And she goes, the devil's been attacking my voice. You know, eh, eh, and he makes all these noises, and he makes a big joke out of it, right? And, you know, the devil, the devil, the devil. And, uh, you know, and then he said, "He's the Lord gave me that song, y'all. And he says, can you give it back? <laughs> was, was the whole premise of the joke. But, um, you know, we want to blame the devil. And a lot of times the circumstances that we're in and the things that we go through Are our own fault. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things, right? You can't spend money you don't have for years and then cry out to the Lord and say, The devil has attacked my finances. Well, no, you got yourself into debt and that's okay. Now you got to get yourself out. Yourself out. Not rebuke the devil out of your finances. You're going to spend your time doing that and you're going to keep spending money, right? You got to get yourself out of that circumstance. So, We end the year, and the question is, are you bitter or are you better? So like I said, I've ministered this before, and I went through the the message again, and I I restudied it, and and I ended up with a two-part of this, which I haven't had before. So today is bitter or better, part one, right? So we see much hurt and many things, and hurt touches our lives. How many of you know that you've been hurt? You may be going into this uh, beginning of this year uh, hurt by a family member. Maybe you lost a family member. Maybe this was 2023 was the year of divorce. You know, we, we want to go back to 2020 and, and, and continue to blame COVID for everything. But I think those times are over. Yeah. Can, we, can we stop doing that? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> right? We see some good. Sometimes we see good in our lives and it touches our lives also. It is a decision that we make during these times of hurt, these times of pain, these times of betrayal. Don't raise your hand. You've been betrayed this year by someone, maybe someone even close to you. In order to properly enjoy the good times, you must learn to be better during the bad times, not bitter. See, there's going to be both. There's going to be trials and tribulations, right? We all have that. The Bible says we do. But it also says that He delivers us from all of them, right? But you're going to have them. You're going to go through them. Sometimes somebody's going through something, and and I've been part of this in the past, and Lord forgive me, but uh, you know, somebody might be going through Mental health is a major issue right now. People go through uh, mental health problems, and, and I believe that God will deliver you from that. I believe that there's a... a, a, a A hope and a faith that will deliver you from that completely because healing is for every part of the body, including your mind, your soul, right? That you may prosper in what? Your body, your soul, and your spirit. It doesn't even mention money. The scripture says that you will prosper in your soul, in your spirit, and in your body. We want God to to do that. And yes, but while you're in the middle of it, the last thing you want to hear is somebody say, You're not supposed to have that. You're a Christian. If you're dealing with anxiety, what does that do? Make you more anxious, right? It makes you, gives you more anxiety. If you're depressed, what do you, you end up more depressed. Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to, am I really a Christian? Why doesn't God heal me? And then all your faith goes right out the window because of one phrase, because you chose to be bitter over the situation that you're in rather than better. Uh, I I used to uh, counsel quite a bit. I don't counsel as much anymore. And you guys are doing great, by the way. Thank you so much for that. Um, But uh, when I was at Rock Church, I used to counsel quite a bit there. Uh, Pastor Fred asked me to handle most of that unless they asked for him. And uh, I had a couple of guys come in. Uh, One of them, he came in. He had just lost his job. His wife was threatening to leave him. And things were... It was just a a whole country song. But um, he... (laughs) He came in, and he sat down, and when he was done, I was like, that's awesome. And he says, did you not hear what I said? I said, yeah, God's about to make your life better than it ever was before. And he goes, you didn't hear me. I, I lost my job. I can't pay my bills. My wife's threatening to leave me. I was like, yeah, what an opportunity to be able to change. What- Sometimes we need stuff like that to happen, to change things in our lives, right, that God's been asking us to change for a long time. Sometimes that has to happen. Right? Being molded, we're clay in the potter's hands. You know how you work with clay, right? You add water of the Word, and they beat the clay up, right? Sometimes that's the way it is. Sometimes that's the way it is. But your choice, you have a choice in some of these things. You don't have a choice in the things that come into your life sometimes. Sometimes you do. But your choice is whether you're going to be bitter about it or you're going to be better about it. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. If you know anything about Paul's ministry, you know that this was pretty pretty awesome for him to be saying this. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus... To testify the gospel of the grace of God. See, Paul here was not just determined to finish his course. He chose to finish it with joy. He could have been bitter. Lord, you came to me in the road to Damascus. You made me blind. You made me go see this guy. He laid hands on me. I got to see you again. I said, yes, Lord. I joined your ministry. I joined your people. I've been persecuted ever since. I'm in jail. What is up with this? I said, yes. I said I would serve you. Why aren't things working out? Why aren't people handing me bags of silver and supporting my ministry? Why isn't this happening, Lord? You told me to do this, and I said yes. He didn't do that. He didn't complain to God. He he goes, I am determined. You ever been determined about something? I am determined to finish, but not just finish. I'm going to finish with joy with a big smile on my face. Right? The word joy here means to be glad, to be filled with gladness, to be well, listen to this, to thrive. You choosing joy will cause the other areas of your life to thrive. You're wondering why things aren't working out? Rejoice, I say, and all rejoice. Rejoice. How many of us envisioned a different outcome this year? Here we are in December. It's like, man, in June, I was like, it's still time. There's still time. Things could still change. You know, September, oh, we're almost there. But Lord, I know you're going to do something. November, uh, in December, oh, I guess time's up. Things are still like they were last year. But you're letting that determine whether you're bitter or you're better. Do you even remember what the, your New Year's resolution was? Are you bitter or better about it? Are you still paying for your gym membership that you never used? It's like an incarceration, right? It's so hard to get out of that thing. You call, and people don't answer, and then they want to keep taking the money. You know, you finally end up, just going to close my bank account, open another one so they can't take my... Why are you guys laughing? You've done this. I didn't expect such a response. I'm going to cancel that credit card so they can't take the $10 a month anymore. (laughs) Arriving at the finish line of life with this kind of joy and being better requires some maintenance, maintenance of the soul. You will have to check your oil, the transmission fluid, the tires, radiator, and replace as needed. We have things in our lives that really need to be replaced. We need to go in there and check. You know, you can, you can drive a car without changing the oil for a very long time, but eventually it's going to shut down, break, engine, seize up, right? Sooner or later, something's going to happen that's much more drastic than changing the oil right now. I always taught my kids, I said, spend a little now on your car, or spend a lot later, right. right? Fix it now, do, it, do the maintenance now, or you're going to pay a lot more later. It's better to pay a little bit now in your life and, and, and change some things and reverse some things that are going to make you more joyful and better rather than bitter than to wait for it to explode. Life is going to give you many opportunities to become bitter. But you have a choice. Did you know it was your choice? We, we, we want these things to just happen. Do you know what happens when you ask for Patience. Huh? You get tribulation. Patience comes by tribulation. That's what it says. I don't ask for patience anymore. Right? Don't ask for patience anymore because that's how it comes. It comes through tribulation. But you know that you can either get patience out of it and grow and become better, or you, be- you can become bitter and become angry and become impossible to be around But none of us, I'm not, none of us are here. I'm preaching to the choir, right? James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. All. Count it all. All joy. When you fall into various trials. What? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. (laughs) But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you see what has to happen before you end up in the city of no lack? You ever heard of that? I want to live in in the city of no lack. Right? No one wants to lack. But well, how do you get there? You endure various trials. You get patience. Patience has its perfect work, makes you perfect and complete, and then you lack nothing. So, are you finishing your course with joy? Or is your course finishing finishing you? I'm gonna ask again: Are you finishing your course with joy, or is your course finishing you? Are you becoming bitter, or are you bec- are you getting better? Bitterness is a poison that kills the soul slowly. Yeah. It's not one of those like that you just drink and or you take boom and you're dead, right? It's something that comes in, slowly kills you. Once you let bitterness in your heart, is like a seed. And then the roots start to grow in. And then a, a tree starts to grow in. And before you know it, and believe me, you can see the tree. You can, don't, don't nudge your spouse next to you or anything like that right now. But you, know, you can tell when someone is bitter. It's very difficult to hide. Right? You can tell. Because it becomes like a big deal. It's a big tree that grows out of your heart. It kills you slowly. Before you know it, you're there and you're like, how did I end up here? Acts chapter 8, 22 through 23. Repent! Everybody say that. Repent! Repent. You never say that with, with like gusto. It's not like, like prosperity! You know. <laughs> it's not like joy! Woohoo! Repent! (laughs) Say repent. Repent. (laughs) Repent, therefore, if this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity, which is unrighteousness. You're poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Acts 14, verses 1 and 2. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Can I take a little rabbit trail here? Is that okay? I think i got approval over here. YouTube is full of people poisoning the body of Christ. Full oh, now I use YouTube. I go and I listen to certain, there are certain preachers I like to listen to, and the, it's the easiest place to find it. Rather than go to their web page and then try to find their right, you just go to YouTube. You can find me on YouTube. The other day, I think it was Sammy, right, they were in there playing or something, and they turned on the TV, and and they went to YouTube, and boom, I showed up, because it's under the church's YouTube page, and I showed up, and Pastor Rick's on TV! He's famous! If he could look at the little things, he says, he got 30 views! (laughs) 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 I have shorts that uh, Gus has made that I've got over 1,000 views, so... Does that make me officially an influencer? Am I an influencer now? But you go there and let's say you put in, I'm going to give you an example and I'm going to be very careful not to speak ill of of any other ministry, but um, you go there and you put in uh, uh, Church of the Highlands, I think it is. You can put in that one, you can put in Stephen Furtick's uh, uh, church or just put in Stephen Furtick and then you'll see some of his preachings. That man has some nuggets, man. Sometimes he says things and I'm like, wow, I don't know where he got that. But then as he gives you scripture for it, it's just powerful. And then there's some things that I don't agree with. And I'm sure there's some things he don't agree with if he ever listened to me, which he wouldn't. But um, anyway, I'm not bitter about it. But uh, (laughs) uh, if you put that in, you'll find some of his stuff. And then you'll find, if you find three or four of his things that are encouraging words or whatever, you'll find Twice or three times as much as that of people who feel their ministry is to totally destroy these other ministries. And they pull out their Bible and they tell you they sound like teachers. And I can't find that in the Bible. I cannot find that ministry. The fivefold ministry is to encourage and to build up and to, and to uh, get people to become part of the ministry and to disciple them. and to. It's always for good. I can't find that ministry of destroying another ministry. I don't think God's involved in that. I think people who lose their way end up destroying their own ministry. Right? Isn't that how usually it happens? Yeah. But you can go there and you can see all these different things that, are, that people are just, they take it on and they, and they try to destroy each other. And you pick up on those. They stir up, like it says here. But the unbelieving Jews, they stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. I've had people leave the church by watching a, a Netflix documentary or watching something on YouTube that went against what we believe. And they said, look, you know, we, we think that what you're doing is heresy and we don't believe in this anymore and we're out of here. Think about this for a moment. People that are in five-fold ministry, most of them did not ask for this. Most of them just said, yes, Lord. Right? Right? I've said this before, and don't take this the wrong way, but if I were God, I would not have chose me. Thank you. I don't need your help here. I'm done. Don't make me bitter, <laughs> Pastor Curley. Oh. Okay, he's talking about himself. He's not talking about me. I think there was a little bit of me in there, but I won't say anything about that. They we're cut from the same cloth. But... I said, yes, Lord, and that's why I'm here. And I do it wholeheartedly. I'm fulfilled in what I'm doing. I love what I do. I love being in the ministry, and I'll do whatever the Lord asks me because the minute you say no, he's no longer Lord. It's right. always yes, Lord. Yeah. right? So don't take that the wrong way that you know I didn't ask for this, and I'm here. Nah, 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 nah. No, that's not how I feel about it at all. But this wasn't my pursuit. This wasn't what I uh, uh, was going after. But the Lord called me to this, and here I am. And I would hope that I would be a pastor that doesn't poison the people, that doesn't put a seed of bitterness into the people, that doesn't cause what we're talking about here today. You know, the Old Testament is full of types and shadows of what was to come. There were many images of what the Savior may be like and how he would redeem his people. I love this portion of Scripture here in Exodus chapter 15, verses 23 through 26. Now, they have already uh, 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 escaped Egypt. They've gone across the Red Sea. The Red Sea swallowed up their enemy. They set up a memorial. We're going to talk a little bit about that in 2024. They set up a memorial. Don't forget your past. This is what God did. He parted the Red Sea. What a miracle. I don't know about you, but I've never walked out to the ocean and said, Hey, I want to go out there about a mile on dry land. And, you know. Like Jim Carrey, he split the tomato soup in his bowl. You guys ever seen? In the diner. Sorry, I watch movies. It's not a recommendation, by the way. That's just something I happen to see. So they set up their memorial. They remember, wow, what a a miracle. And now they start complaining. We need water. We don't have any food. What are we doing out here? I want to go back. I want to go back to, to building bricks for Pharaoh. At least there we had three meals a day. Three, you know, three huts in a cot. You can get that in jail. Exodus 15, 23 through 26. Now when they came to Marah, that word Marah means bitter, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of, this, of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. You know, we don't like these kind of obedience type scriptures, so uh, I'm going to soften it up for you. If you become part of my family, and you begin to live your life according to the sacrifice that I made to save you, If you decide to allow, to let me speak into your life and allow me to tell you what needs to change, if you would allow me to do this, then you'll be saved. And these things that you allow me to tell you and you end up doing end up bringing you peace, love, joy, all the things, hope, all the things that we're searching for. But we want them in the condition that we're in. We want them without doing anything. Because we think that we deserve something. Thank God we don't get what we deserve. Because we deserve, it's behind one of those trees there, we deserve that cross. But Jesus took the punishment for us. Matthew Henry's commentary says, The greatest joys and hopes are soon turned into the greatest griefs and fears with those that live by sense alone and not by faith. The tree, typical of the cross of Christ, which sweetens the bitter waters of affliction to all the faithful and enables them to rejoice in tribulation. So you think that you got to do this on your own. But no, it's the Christ in you. It's the tree introduced into the bitterness that makes it sweet. Right? It's the Christ introduced into whatever situation that you're in. When you introduce Christ into whatever is causing the bitterness, it turns it into sweetness. I know you, some of you have heard me say this many, many times before. You cannot have the goodness of God outside of Jesus Christ. What we want is we want to go to God. We want to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So now I'm a son of the Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, been bought by the blood of Jesus. So I'm, you know, I'm His favorite, right? I'm in. I'm good. So now I want him to hand me this peace that he promises. I want him to give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. I want him to give me hope. I want him to give me love. I want him to give me healing. But he doesn't do that. You know why he doesn't do that? Because he is those things. So if Jesus were to give you hope, then you would have what you wanted, and you would no longer need Jesus. If he were to give you the peace that you so need, you would get the peace from Jesus and then you would no longer need him. If you would receive the healing and the prosperity that the Bible talks so much about and he gave you those things, then you would no longer need him. You would go back to him when you needed him again, which is part of our relationship right now. The church's relationship is very much like that. But the Bible doesn't teach that. It teaches that he is hope. He is peace. Yes. He is, right? So you can't have those things apart from him. You have to have him. You have right. to introduce the cross, introduce the tree of Christ into your bitterness yes. to make it sweet. So yes. He doesn't come and take it away. Oh, let's, I'll just make your, your water. No, no. You have to introduce the cross. He has to be present. Jesus Christ has to be part of whatever you're doing in life. He doesn't come and give you something and walk away. You don't get to knock on his door and say, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, and walk away. That's not how that works. He has to be in whatever it is that you're doing. Then the prosperity becomes exactly what God intended it to be. The healing comes with him, not aside from him. We want him to give us this thing, and it doesn't happen you know why? Because you have not allowed Jesus to be everything in your life. You've made him into something you keep in a closet, and you go there when you need it. I don't want to be bitter. Introduce the tree. Introduce the cross. See, the Israelites had just experienced a great miracle in the parting of the Red Sea, just three days before arriving at Mara. When God's people were faced with a bitter situation, they complained. We don't do that, right? None of us ever complain? You ever complain? No, I don't complain. He brought the tree into the waters, and the bitter was made sweet. See, don't complain to God, but introduce the tree, the Christ, into the situation, and you will see it become sweet. Are you becoming bitter in life, or are you becoming better because of life i'm going to give you five ways to be better and not bitter five ways to be better and not bitter number one possess an eternal perspective we drown in a cup of water there's a spanish saying that we say you drown in a cup of water because you're focused on the cup of water right. i heard something so good on friday is the cup half full or is the cup half empty that blew me away when I heard all the leaders like, yeah, yeah, right? If it's half full, then it's in the process of being filled. If it's half empty, then it's in the process of being poured out. Yeah, right. I'm half full because I'm in the process of growing. I'm in the process of being filled. If it's half empty, that means I was full at one point, right. and I was being, and now I'm losing it. I'm being poured out. Right. What's the next step after that? Empty. Yeah, right. I don't want to be empty. I want to be full. So I'm half full, I'm not half empty. Because I'm in the process of being filled. Mm -hmm. Right? What a perspective. See, when God when we take an eternal perspective on things, we're looking at things from heaven. Do you, you know you've been in an airplane before and you look out the window and you see these cities? You know what I look for? Golf courses. So you could see them because you can see the little, the sand traps look about this big. I wish they were only that big because my ball wouldn't go in there as often. But, you know, they look like this, a sand trap is the area of sand near the, the fairway where if you hit the ball in there, you've got to hit it out of the sand. It's it's a hazard is what it's called. It, it's Okay, it's what it's called. But anyway, there's a sand trap. And you, I look and I say, oh, there's a golf course down there. Look, it's all green and there's little white sand traps everywhere. And you. Get, but the whole golf course looks about this big. <coughs> Excuse me. The whole golf course looks about this big. But then when you get down there, it's 7,000 yards or 6,500 yards of golf course. So big, yeah. It's huge. By the end of walking through it, I'm like, you know, my knee and... <laughs> right? But from up there, it really isn't a big deal. See, an eternal perspective is like that. How does this look like from the throne of God? Right. How does your situation look like from the throne of God? You know, something else that we do and, and uh, it makes us feel better is, you know, some, somebody is in worse shape than you are. Well, that's terrible. Because why am I going to feel better about somebody having a worse life than I do? Yeah, right? Or we hang out with people who are more of a sinner than we are so that we can wash ourselves with their sins. When when we're only supposed to wash your sins with the blood of Jesus. But we use their sins because now I'm not as bad as them. Oh, one of the phrases that really bothers me. I'm not as bad as I used to be. That's just an excuse to stay where you're at. We need to continue to be growing and continue to, right? But possess an eternal perspective. What does this look like? Don't worry too much about today. How it's going to look you got to worry about how it's going to look from heaven's perspective. Listen to this, and I'll explain who this person is if you don't know. <clears throat> Jim Elliott, the great missionary that gave his life in Ecuador for, uh, for the Lord, said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Say that again. Yeah. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what what he cannot lose. Yeah. Now who is this guy? There's a book and a movie and everything about him. It's, if you don't know who Jim Elliot is. He would fly over these tribes in, 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 in the uh, uh, jungle of Ecuador. Did I say Ecuador, right? Ecuador. And he would fly over them with this little plane and he would drop food in these open fields and these cannibalistic tribes would come out and they would, they would take these, uh, uh, the food and bring it back. So he did that a couple of times so that the next time he flew the plane in there, they would say, oh, this is the, the plane that comes in. And they've never seen a plane in their life. These are tribal people that live in the jungle. <clears throat> never seen a plane in their life. The plane flies over, drops it. So after he does that a couple of times, he goes, it should be safe now that we can fly in there. And we'll bring in another plane package of, of supplies for them and they'll, they'll receive us because we've been dropping stuff off and they know that we're good. So he, he lands the plane and he walks over and the tribe comes out of the thing. They kill him and they eat him. These are animals. These are people that don't know any better. Right? They're savages. Years go by. The son of Jim Elliot decides he's going to do the same thing. But he says, I'm going to get me a translator because I can't talk to these people. And I get there and I start talking and they decide they're going to eat me too. So he goes in with a plane, does the same thing. He becomes a pilot just like his dad, following in the footsteps of his dad. He flies in there, goes down, gets this translator. The The leader of the tribe comes out and he just he explain to him who I am. Tell him that I'm the son of the man that flew another plane in here and that they killed when he came in. And So the... the, the you know now there's communication so they're giving him a break they're not just killing him so they're okay and he goes tell him that i came here to forgive him and the guy looks at him and says in their language there is no word for forgiveness it doesn't exist i can't i can't translate that it doesn't there's no word for forgiveness so he goes try to explain to him that i came here to release him from vengeance or from he goes oh that i can do so he explains it to the man and the man has no idea what's going on he's shaking his head he's making a face so the man invites jim elliott's son into the tribe they go into the into the jungle and he's thinking that's it i'm gonna die here where my dad died and he begins to explain to his tribe what he came there to do and they're all like what No, that's not how it works. When somebody does you wrong, if they steal a mango from your mango tree, you go kill them. That's just what happens out here. If they cross over into your part of the land, you spear them down and you kill them. Their trails between the villagers there, between the tribes, was called the trails of blood because so many people were being killed between the tribes out there. They were called trails of blood. Well, this man, this tribal leader gets absolutely saved i mean radically saved finds out about this jesus that he's never heard about a god that created everything that he's never heard about but he got it he was like i I get this i and he says i'm going to begin to go down these trails and talk to the other ones and they're like you can't go down that trail they're going to kill you he goes but i have this message that they've never heard before he goes, and I'm going to change the name of these trails. They're no longer the trails of blood, but the trails of love. And I'm going to go bring this to the other. And he began saving all the different tribes. I had the honor of meeting the, this tribal leader at Ramah. They brought him in uh, to, the, to the class when we were there at Ramah. They put a suit on this guy. Can you imagine? He's used to wearing an ephod, if that. You know what an ephod is? Is a little towel that they put in with a string. That's 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 pretty much. I mean, he's that's he's wearing a lot at that point, right? For them, they put a suit on this guy, and so he would come out on the stage, and they had a translator. And at this point, he spoke a little bit of English because now the the missionaries are going there and everything, and he's learning English. And he's about this big, really dark skin, rough. You know, he looked like like crocodile skin. I mean, he was just his hair's all a mess and everything, and he went to stand up front, and then we look, and he's not, the one thing they could not get him to do was put on shoes. I will not put on shoes. He, I don't know how he made it, but he got on an airplane, went through the airports and everything, came to the United States barefoot, without any shoes on at all, but he was standing there without shoes on in his suit, and he was, you could tell, he was like, you know, getting uncomfortable with this thing, wearing this suit. And he was able to share this story with us and how he changed the name of those trails. See, Jim Elliot's son could have taken what happened to his dad and became bitter for the rest of his life against missions, against God, against the church that sent him there. He could have become bitter at anything. But he took an eternal perspective. And he looked down and said, my dad gave his life for these people. I got to try. Why? Because he was not bitter he was better. And his dad is the one who wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Number two, lift free from envy and embrace a life of gratitude. This is big in the U.S. Yeah. We are materialistic people. We're always looking on the other side of the fence. You know, if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, they got a higher water bill. That's all that's going on there. They're paying more for water. That's all. Right? Live free from envy and embrace a life of gratitude. Quit looking at what other people have and begin to be grateful for what you already have. You'll be so happy. You know, I I see this. Uh, I worked in the homeless ministry for three years and I saw this quite a bit. And, uh, uh, you know, there were those that were bitter and and sad and, and, you know, and uh, uh, ready to take their own lives. And it happens a lot amongst the homeless. But there were some that were just like, big smile on their face. You know, and uh, there was one guy, uh, George Smith, and that wasn't his real name, but he refused to give us his name. But he would show up for showers every morning early, and if he got first on the on the list, because you know we had a list, only twenty five people could take a shower at the at the homeless uh, shelter I used to run. And uh, uh, he would he would smile because he was like, "Get hot water." He lives on the streets. But after about two or three people, the rest of the people are taking a lukewarm or you know, cold shower because there's only enough hot water for the first few showers. So he was always smiling. And he got in to eat. Oh, today, oh, did they make did they make bread pudding? George Smith would smile from ear to ear. And I'm thinking, look at him celebrating bread pudding. He doesn't have a roof over his head. Now, granted, it's the best bread pudding I have ever had. All right, the lady that cooked in there would take old well, not expired, but old Krispy Kreme donuts and make bread pudding out of it. Oh, my Lord, she would make my own. I'd make, she'd make these big trays for them, you know, because we fed three to 400 homeless people every day. 300, 300 to 400 meals would go out every day. And uh, she made me my own because I don't like raisins. She would put raisins in the other bread pudding, right? The, but in mine, she would just make my own. I'd bring it home and, oh, my Lord, so good. Quit looking at what other people have and begin to be grateful for what you have. Number three, be a person with realistic expectations. This is what faith does. Yeah. It gives us unrealistic expectations outside of what the Word says. See, our faith should be based on the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word, right? But you know, we're, we're a $15 an hour janitor at a school and we're, we're going to a Mercedes dealership and walking seven times around a $200,000 Mercedes asking God to give us that Mercedes. That's foolishness and presumption altogether. Yeah. There's a great book called Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. Sometimes we just step out there. Now, does God say he'll provide for us? Yeah. Does God say... So if you have a car, and it's not a $200,000 Mercedes, and you're able to drive here today, be grateful. You know how I know you're grateful? It doesn't matter how old your car is or how beat up it is. You keep it clean. You take care of it. You change the oil. You put gas in it. Because when you're ungrateful for something, you don't treat it very well. And if you want God to give you something better, you better take care of the one you do already have. Right? Right? Number three, be a person with realistic expectations. So Martin Luther King Jr. said this, We must accept finite disappointment, but, but, but never lose infinite hope. That was incredible, man. We must accept finite disappointment, but must never lose infinite hope. So it doesn't matter how disappointed you might be. If you're full of hope, it doesn't matter. Things will be better tomorrow. God's going to show up. We've lived like that. We've lived like that. And God always showed up. Granted, sometimes our expectations were not as great as they were, but God still honored our obedience and provided for us be a person with realistic expectations and you won't be bitter, but you'll be better. Number four, value the significance of small things. Learn to be content for the small things. It's hard to do because there's so many things nowadays. So much technology, so many big beautiful houses and nicer cars and, and there, right now there's just so much, you know you, <laughs> you buy a 75 inch TV. And every, I don't know what it is, but every time I, I go to Sam's every Monday, all right, because I go to our bank. The church bank is in Lake Mary, and I go to the bank, and then I go to the Sam's, pick up supplies for the church and if we need it, and I bring it here. So when you go into Sam's, what's the first thing you see to your right? TVs. TVs. All the guys. TVs. The women are like, I don't know. I'm looking to the left where they have sales on cookies and, you know, and all that other stuff. Lotions and right baskets and all the pretty stuff. No, the guys are looking this way. So I walk in there uh, last Monday and I got my cart and I'm going in and I know what I'm buying already. I got my list and I look to the side and there's an 85 inch TV. Uh. (laughs) Now, listen, I have a 75 inch TV hanging on my wall that was a present from my mom. All right, I have, yeah, because she wanted to watch football on a bigger screen. So That's a lie. You're lying to me. Why are you telling people those things? So (laughs) I'm in trouble, you know, guys. I need you to walk me out to my car. I'm getting a spanking today. So I got this 75 inch TV on the wall, and I'm walking into Sam's looking at an 85 inch TV, going, man, that's nice. Look how thin that thing is. It's so thin. $988. For an 85 inch TV. I'm so glad it doesn't fit in my car. (laughs) Incredible. And then I get around the corner and I'm like, what an idiot. I'm talking to myself. What are you doing? You got, you know how many TVs are in our home? Value the significance of small things. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Paul had no ill things to say about the church in Philippi, and they were the smallest of all the churches who he wrote to. We had a, a, a pastor here on Friday ministered to us. What a word, man. Just I'm, so blessed. I'm still chewing on what he said and so blessed about it. And probably one of the smaller churches in our area. He looked at our leadership group and says, this is the size of our church. I think that really matters. God chose him for those people. We're always looking at the big building and the thousands of people. Listen, and I'm not here to talk bad about those because they have their calling and what they're doing and why they're doing it, right? I'm not envious of them. If the Lord said, I want you to, you know, to be, for your church to grow into a huge, you know, I'd fight, I'd argue, but then I'd eventually say, no, okay. (laughs) Right? But do not despise small beginnings. It's always the small things that God uses to do great things anyway. (laughs) It's the ones that you look at and you go, nah, God, I don't think that's going to happen. And God does it with that thing, just when you thought, yes. right? The smallest of all the churches he wrote to Philippians. It's one of my favorite books, the books of Philippians, because it's a feel-good book. You know, he's nice to them. He thanks them for their giving, and thank you for teaching me about giving. And, you know, Philippians 4, I memorized that whole chapter because it's so good, right? Be anxious for nothing, but at all things, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Meditate on these things, those things that are praiseworthy, love, loving, virtuous, right? You keep going through there. Uh, 13, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 19, um, he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's just, a, it's just a feel-good book. Yet it was the smallest church of all the ones that he wrote to. <laughs> Value the significance of small things. Number five, walk in the power of forgiveness. I can't spend too much time here. This is a whole teaching on this. We have them. Uh, I teach every year at a certain time of the year. I'll always teach on forgiveness because we need to be operating in it uh, constantly. But Lewis Smead said this. When you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free. And then you find out that prisoner was you. Dale Carnegie said, When we hate our enemies, we give them power over us, power over our sleep, our appetite, our happiness. They would dance with joy by knowing how much they were worrying us. Our hate is not hurting them at all, but it is turning our days and nights into a hellish turmoil. The question remains, how are you going to live your life? Bitter or better? Are you finishing your course with joy or is your course finishing you? I'm going to uh, conclude with this scripture out of Psalms, chapter 34. I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to read 14 and 15, then 17 through 19, and then verse 22, and we'll bring it to an end. Would you guys mind standing for this? If, if we could read this last portion, and then we're going to pray. Psalms 34 beginning 14 depart from evil and do good seek seek peace and pursue it we're always asking how about we seek it and pursue peace the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned what a great opportunity to release our bitterness this morning even if it's just a little bit I found out probably years ago is when Robin Williams took his life and I was like here's a guy that's just hilarious he's always in a great mood always right and I found out that many comedians, people who make other people laugh, are dealing with depression, and they use this form of comedy as something to, to cover up their own bitterness and their own uh, 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 unforgiveness and, and their own depression, they're, everything that they cover it up while using comedy. Like, man, that's pretty incredible because you can be funny when you're happy. Right? But how is it to be funny when inside you're black and dark and bitter and hurt and betrayed and holding unforgiveness and sad and just... Next week we're going to continue and I'm going to teach you how to choose. Because that's what the Bible teaches. It says choose joy choose joy it doesn't mean okay i'm going to try and get joy i'm going to i'm going to choose but then i know i got to do no it just says make a choice just choose joy unto us unto us a son is given right unto yeah. us a child is born unto us a son is given god gave us his son joy was born on Christmas day so when you choose joy what are you choosing you're choosing Jesus because he comes with that right (laughs) see God paid the price on that cross for a hundred inch TV (laughs) think of it this way I used this the other day with a brother of mine that we were talking and it came to me and I think it's appropriate here, but you go into, let's just say Sam's and you see that 85-inch TV and you go to the counter and you say, hey, I'm going to need help with that. I'm going to go ahead and pay for it. Here's the $1,000, you know, 1000 and change with tax. I'm going to take that TV right there. You get your receipt. You go out to your car. You pull your car out in front of Sam's and the guy comes out with a 15-inch monitor. says, here's your TV. You'd beat that kid up. <laughs> You'd smack him in the head and say, what do you think you're doing? What do you think? I'm stupid? What's wrong with you? But that's what we're doing. We're accepting a 15-inch TV for a price that God paid on the cross for us. We're accepting something, right? He's saying, I paid for so much more, yes. and you're taking this. Yes. I paid for this, and you're taking this. I paid for this, and you're, and you're in bitterness, and you're unhappy, and you're, and I paid for it. I paid for it. You're not taking advantage of what I paid for, the Lord would say. He paid for it. He paid for it. You ever been in a restaurant and somebody pay your bill? That happens to us a lot. You know why? Because we do it. You shall reap what you sow, right? In some restaurants, I'll see somebody with a veteran's hat on or something, and then I'll tell the waitress, hey, let me, let me get it, you know. And I, you hope that it's not, it's just his, right? Because then you oh, there's 15 others in here with him. Oh, you know, I don't know if I can do that, but right? But I, every opportunity, I have to do that to honor a veteran or or someone that I see or just be moved by the Spirit to do that. I do it and it gets done for me. Imagine you go and you order a filet mignon, you order right, if you knew somebody was paying, you would order these things. You order a a lobster, you order a steak, right? Surf and turf with a a huge baked potato or, or garlic mashed potatoes. I'm going to let you go in just a minute. I'm letting you go in just a minute, right? Start off with a Caesar salad and a piece of warm bread that has melted butter on the inside. You have all that, right? And somebody says, it's paid for. Oh, it is? Then bring me a hot dog. You can take that back to the kitchen. What? No, somebody paid for the filet mignon, the lobster. Yeah, I know. Bring me a hot dog. do that we settle and God said I paid for the best I paid for it with my only begotten son that you would be able to live in joy just choose the joy choose the joy I know I got ahead of myself that's what we're ministering next week but so let's begin that process this morning Lord I just pray right now Lord, I could could preach a word, Father, cause a room to get filled with smoke in your presence to cause the hairs on our neck to stick up, Father. But none of that, none of that would cause change in our hearts if we don't ask you. Lord, I pray right now for those that are before me. I know that there are some that are bitter. I know some that are hurting. I know some that are dealing with family issues. I know, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pierce into that part of their heart, that dark place in their heart and bring light in there. It would uproot bitterness right now in Jesus' name. And that still would not be enough, Lord, because we make a choice today to be full of joy no matter what's happening. I refuse to be poisoned by bitterness. Say that with me. I refuse to be poisoned by bitterness. Jesus O Taramandere Shibadorokoto Yamarabasoto Shimande Yamandorokosa. This word's been stirring in my heart, and I prophesied it over two people already this week, and I just sense the Lord bringing it back. And, you know, trust the journey, but believe for the victory. Trust the journey and believe the promise. See, God promises that He will deliver us, God promises that He has already delivered us. God's promises are yes and in Him, amen done finished but we don't trust the journey and in that journey we we get bitter and we get angry and we lose heart and we grow weary but God says don't do that just believe be joyful in the midst of the of the of the journey be joyful in the midst of the things that are not going so well Rejoice, said Paul. Again, I say rejoice while I sit in prison. Come on. If you're in prison, that's probably the last thing you're going to write. Rejoice, because I'm rejoicing. Yeah, right. He said, We're going to come and we're going to get you out of prison. He says, No, don't worry about me. I'm good. Every few hours, they bring me a new person, a new guard. And every few hours, I get to preach the gospel to that guard. What a perspective. When he writes to Philip, they tell him, well, you know, let's, let's see what we can do about getting. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm in prison with purpose. What? Okay, rejoice. I say again, rejoice. We can learn something from that. you, Lord. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your joy. We choose to rejoice. We choose joy. Remove the bitterness, I pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the new life bible church podcast if you're ever in the central florida area consider this a standing invitation for you to join us we would love to meet you services are sundays at 10:30 a.m and wednesdays at 7 p.m if this message blessed you imagine what it would be like in person keep up with everything going on at new life on our website orangecitychurch.com new life bible church you will never be the same